This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Bounce towards first and through a base hit right field. He's going to take a turnaround first and try for second. Here comes the throw by Gretchik. He is safe at second base. A hustle double for Kiermaier. Here's your host, Neil Solons. And good morning and welcome to our latest show. Today we sit down with Austin Meadows and discuss his return to the field. We'll chat with the rest of Destrada of Fox Sports Sun about the week gone by. Nate Lowe will join us from Port Charlotte. Dewey Robinson joins us to discuss the pitching down there. And Richard Justice of MLB.com joins us to discuss the trading deadline. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our featured guest this week is certainly one of the key pieces of the success so far for this year's team, and certainly was a big part of last year as well, and certainly will be in the future. That's Austin Meadows. Austin, thanks very much for being with us. Of course, Neil. Thanks for having me. First, uh, tell me how close you feel now to normal on the field um, with, A, everything going on, but also what you had to go through with, with COVID-19. Yeah, it's it's been a... Uh... It's been a tough, tough year up to up to this point, just from trying to get back and, and trying to speed things up and, and being kind of behind the eight ball for, you know, missing those three weeks of summer camp. But, you know, it's it's been really good to be around the guys. It's been really fun. Um, you know, we have such a young a young team and being around the guys every day and being able to socialize with them has been really, really fun. And, you know, we're obviously doing doing really well. So ever since I've been back, you know, I feel like I just kind of provided that spark in a sense of just keeping guys loose and just keeping, you know, just continuing to try to have fun with the guys. And um, I think that that's translated to the field, but, you know, I feel good. My body feels good. It's just nice to be able to be in there every day and, and contribute in any way, any way I can, whether it's on the defensive side or um, offensive side or on the bases and stuff like that. So, um, no, I, I do do feel good and feel like I'm coming around. You know, we don't know, well, most of us don't know what it's like to go through uh, the virus, fortunately. Was, what was the harder part for you coming back? Was it the virus itself and what it did to you, or was it the inactivity? I would definitely say the inactivity. Um, virus, it didn't hit me too hard, just kind of figured out I had it, um, you know, obviously with no taste and smell and some fatigue and stuff like that, but nothing too crazy. Um, I think the, the main thing is just the inactivity trying to find the motivation to get outside. I mean, when I was home for three weeks, just trying to get outside to run and, you know, hitting off the tee into a net, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same, you know, environment where I could go to the field and, you know, get coached up or whether it comes to hitting with Chad or running with Joey Greeny or, or, and, uh, and TC. And it was just, it's just different. It was, it was a really tough time. You know, I was even juggling my, juggling my wife about like, 
we had to like plan our meals and like figure out what we we're going to eat the next day. We're just not used to it. We're not used to it. And, uh, it was a very challenging time, but you know, we learned a lot out of it and thankfully we're good and healthy now and, and moving forward. Yeah. How did it make you better overall? What, it, what was the biggest thing you took away from it? Man, I'll tell you what, it just wasn't, there was nothing normal about it. You know, I would say the mental aspect of it was kind of the biggest thing was not being able to be with your guys, even with this virus. I mean, you know, you could still feel, feel good and you could still have it. So that's kind of the crazy part about it is, you know, I was feeling pretty good for after about the first week that I was diagnosed with it. The next couple of weeks, I actually felt fine, and I just kept testing, kept testing positive, and it was very, very frustrating. The main thing was just trying to stay mentally stable, um, knowing that it, this, it was going to come to an end, and just try to do everything I could to stay in shape and stay ready, stay mentally ready, because um, then I knew, I knew once that time comes, once I test, you know, those two negatives back to back, that I'll be thrown right back into the fire. So. Um, just trying to stay mentally ready and prepared as much as I could. For the players, we always hear how great an organization this is to be in. From your standpoint, how good was the organization while that was going on? And also in terms of how they have been real patient and tried to get you off your feet at times as you work your way back. You know, credit to the staff, to Joe Benz, our, our trainer, to to everyone that, I mean, I, they were just in constant communication with me every day. And that was probably the best thing about it was that, you know, I wasn't forgotten about, you know, and, and, you know, obviously I wasn't there at the field, but, you know, Cash called me every day, checking in on me, Joe Benj, um, Chad, you know, a lot, even my teammates as well, um, Brandon, Brandon Lau and a couple other guys would check in and see how, see how I was doing. So just the camaraderie and, and the chemistry that we have as, um, as a whole team, um, it's really a testament to those guys to be able to, you know, check in and each and every day and, and uh, make sure that I'm doing good and, you know, and uh, it was it was definitely something I was really thankful for. You touched on the encouragement you got through all this. Now you're on the field with guys like Brandon Lau, who has had an incredible streak. How much has that helped also take the pressure off of you? And even Yandi, the week that he's had um, with those two guys kind of normally hitting behind you. Yeah, you know, we, we just have such a, a good team, um, a good team of, of, of players that you know, it takes the pressure off of you. You don't have to feel like you have to go out there and and win the game. You know, with your bat or with whatever, because everybody can do. Everybody can hit. Everybody can hit on our team. Everybody can play baseball really, really well. And it really takes the pressure off you on that lineup, knowing that if you have a tough game, those guys right behind you will pick you up. Um, whether it's Bilal, Yandi, or even you know guys throughout the lineup that you know just go out there and play the game hard. It really does take the pressure off, um, and that's something I'm really thankful for, to go out there, and whether it's contributing, um, if it's a tough night at the plate, contributing on defense, and then somebody else comes up and delivers a, uh, you know, a really big hit to uh, you know, put us ahead. So we have a lot of guys that are capable of that, and it's fun to be a part of. You mentioned defense um, and contributing. Your defense has been, I think, a lot better um, these first few weeks. How proud have you been about the way you've grown defensively? Because I know in spring training – way back when that was a big part of your focus right yeah yeah it, it's uh it's been really good I think for me just trying to be quicker out there trying to be quicker to the ball trying to release the ball quicker when I get it into my glove it's just it's just been something that I've really been working on picking got picking guys brains with its KK and, and Renfro with his awesome catch last night that was pretty sweet that was pretty fun to pretty fun to watch but yeah just continuing to try to work on every single aspect of my game 
that's the beautiful thing about this game is that you're always learning something every single day, regardless of how many, how many years you have, or, you know, how many days you have, you're always learning something. You're always working on something. Um, and right now that for me, that's, you know, that's defense and trying to continue to be better each, every way I can. Does playing next to KK allow you to cheat a step or two, let's say toward the line because of how much he can cover in the gaps. What does having him alongside you allow you to do defensively? He's a, uh, He's impressive, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think our communication over the past couple of years has been really good, you know, whether, whether I'm in left or right, knowing obviously the ground that he can cover and, and, and kind of knowing myself as well. I think we have a really good connection out there um, and, and he's in constant communication, whether it's certain points in the game where it's a, it's a big out that we need to get or stuff like that to where he's always in, in constant communication with me. He's really, really smart um, and he's fun to, he's fun to, play without there I mean he's he can cover some serious ground and it's good to know that you know if I'm not going to get to a ball he'll be <laughs> he'll probably be right there so he's uh he's pretty unbelievable getting back home how has your wife Alexis been through all this I know she had COVID first and then you guys had both had to recover through this she's been good yeah she uh she had it before I did and um you know she's completely completely recovered now she's been recovered for a long for a while now but having her here has been really really key to me just going back to being, you know, mentally stable and, and, and her being able to take care of me and us getting to spending a, us getting to spend a lot of time together. Um, it's time that we um, haven't really had much in the past of just your normal routine, your normal schedule. Um, this year has obviously been a challenge um, in a sense of playing. So we've been able to spend a lot of time together. Um, and it's, it's definitely a blessing that we've been able to do that. And she's been taking care of me. It's been great. Have either of you, and I don't even know if you can do it during the season, consider donating plasma um, at some point if you have the antibodies? So, yeah, it has been talked about. Um, and, you know, I think the main thing is that apparently, you know, we don't know much about the virus. We don't know that, you know, I think you can get it twice. There's so many questions that um, we have in general um, that I hope hopefully that will be answered, um, you know, before that time comes. But I think for us, we just continue to go day to day, hoping this thing will get out of it. You know, the virus will stop soon. But, you know, this is this is the this is normal. This is normal life for us right now. Um, just just, you know, just coping with everything and, and doing everything we can to to be smart and try to set an example for people, you know, wearing masks on the field, wearing masks in the dugout, doing everything we can to to protect our teammates, protect our families. Um, so that's kind of what we can control. And. Um, you know, if, if that opportunity of donating comes comes to us, I think that we would definitely definitely take that opportunity to do that. Speaking of family, how's your brother handling this? Because there's no minor league season this year, um, and your parents are they be, have they been healthy through all this? Yeah, everybody's good. Um, you know, it's been tough for Parker. He's you know obviously with minor league being canceled, um, especially at such a he's such a young age, 20 years old. He's just itching to get out there. Um, but he, he has been staying active um, with baseball activity, um, whether it's something, you know, if they possibly call him up to the taxi squad. Um, so he, he does that, have that opportunity this year. So he's just continuing to try to find ways to stay, stay sane. And, you know, he's living with my parents back home. And, um, you know, mom and dad are doing really good. You know, mom's a teacher, so she's trying to adjust um, the whole schedule as well. So, you know, things are a little bit crazy right now. I'm just glad that they're all able to be together. Um, I know that they're cherishing time with Parker. 
because um, this is obviously an unprecedented time, a little bit different, but I'm no, another cherishing time together, so that's good. No doubt. You're uh, obviously spent a lot of time with your wife and your teammates as well. With the way the format exists, eight teams making the playoffs in each league, does that change anything for you guys mentally? Is it, is it about getting hot at the right time, or is, is winning the division a priority to you and your teammates? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we take it day to day. We know that we can compete with anyone in the league. Um, I think we've, we've proved that, whether it was last year or off to a good start this year. Um, obviously, this year started a little bit slow, and then we really picked it up um, the past couple of weeks, and it's been really fun to be a part of. You know, for us, obviously, winning the division, I think for us, is something that obviously we know we can accomplish, um, and we continue to try, to try to push every day. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be things that you can't really control. Um, but for us to continue to try to keep a positive mindset and forever, whoever's on the field those, those days to contribute any way that we can to try to win games. And that's the main focus is just win, you know, win each day, win each game that we play. Um, and that's kind of the main focus and we'll see where we end up, but we know we have a, we have a pretty good shot. Everybody stays healthy, um, and, and plays hard. We got a, we got a, a pretty good chance for sure. And, and the relationship that you have with Brandon, what has that meant to you you guys seem to have kind of almost been kindred spirits uh hitting one two in the order yeah uh you know me and brand have a good relationship uh, we like to poke fun at each other a lot um and we keep things keep things loose you know he's he's uh he's been incredible to watch you know for me when i was here with the virus watching him on tv and and playing with him now in person obviously last year was tough with him with the injury but that man's pretty good and he's fun to he's fun to play play alongside um the dude can hit he can play some really good defense um so he's he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him but i'm just i'm just excited to play with him and and continue to be back in that locker room not even with him but just with everybody um i miss those guys a lot and i'm glad to be able to be with them and you know be a positive light in that clubhouse um and and, and it's been a lot of fun well, hopefully the fun continues. We appreciate some time. We uh, hope for a good health for you and yours. And thanks for being with us on This Week in Race Baseball. All right, Neil. Stay healthy. Thank you, man. That's Austin Meadows, and we'll continue in just a moment. This is the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. We appreciate Austin Meadows being with us and joining us now to discuss what has been a really good week in a lot of ways, but also a tough week, too. This is Orestes Destrada, Fox Sports Sun. Oh, thanks for being with us. Always good with, to be with you, Neil. This is the first time to be into this, uh, you know, scenario. But we blend with the times and with the situations and uh, just pretty much as much as this, this team has blended with the times and situations. No question. And I think that, you know, I mentioned the good and bad. The good has been this team has won a lot. The bad, which is so worrisome for the future, is just all the pitching injuries they've had to deal with. Uh, the pitching injuries have been you know, an anomaly. I mean, really, uh, we've had some like this before. In fact, remember a couple of spring trains ago when we had like four guys come out with Tommy John right off the bat, uh, including Bonda and, and, and that whole group. But uh, this has been painful. And uh, right now we're going to have to, you know, kind of adjust. And we're, we're counting on a few guys to really show up, including the kid Fleming, uh, et cetera. But uh, what I really look for is hopefully Charlie Morton coming back to the fold healthy and the, the growth of Blake Snell back to being, you know, the, the, the superstar pitcher that he can be, because then that'll, that'll truly make up quite a bit. No question. And, you know, in regards to Charlie, I almost look at these 16 days here, the Rays are playing 16 in a row without a day off as a survival period. And they right. get through that and get Charlie back and stretched out. 
and keep the other guys healthy, they still have a shot to be uh, a really dangerous team. Yeah, and, and if that's a survival period, then, you know, we're surviving pretty darn strong because uh, we went and did, you know, historic things. And this team offensively right now, I think, is starting to click. So you just have to kind of survive, as you said, the, the pitching scenario. I'm encouraged by the bullpen. But then you start getting into that point of like, how much are you going to be stretching the bullpen? How much are you going to be, you know, challenging the bullpen? You have to protect that. It's a fine line of usage. I think we saw that on Friday night, too. Uh, The fact that Kevin only used three pitchers. And I think that there may be a game or two in this 16-game stretch where they have to just basically let a guy or two wear it a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? The the Friday night game was a great example of that. and, And you had the opportunity to still win. So mm-hmm. when you can try to do that and still get a win out of it, I think that's, uh, you know, again, you, you know, kudos to the Yarbrough and the job that he did because he really had one, you know, bad inning and then, then he dominated. So he stretched out that scenario and it was given the chance for the team to, to only use three pitchers. But uh, it was a great fight and uh, they've got to continue it because Toronto is there's no cakewalk right now. No, and I look at it, there's eight teams right now over 500 in the American League. There's seven under. And I almost feel like these eight teams are playing for seeding. That's a great point. I I, I think they are. And uh, I think the key for for the Rays is not only making the playoffs. You don't want to be like, okay, we're in the playoffs, especially with the expanded scenario. You want to seed yourself in a better position. You you want to be number one because you're going to just have – it's not – Home field advantage in, in, in baseball means more than in any other sport, I feel, because you always have that last ups. So that gives you something that's very, very valuable in the playoffs. Is it a little less, though, because of the lack of fans? No, it's less because of lack of fans. But I was talking to someone about this just the other day and the dichotomy of home field advantage per like the NBA, where you, you really see it sometimes. You know, a team will get blown out. And then they come back and they go back home and they win by 40 when they just got beat by 40. But you're even seeing it in this bubble scenario. So I don't think it's really the fans. Uh, for baseball, it's about getting your last ups and getting that opportunity to, to, you know, walk off a game on an error, on a hit, on something fabulous or, or, mis- or miscue by the other team. You have that opportunity. And I think that's, that's paramount. Offensively, this group has put up tremendous numbers, but they've really done it without everybody clicking. How, how uh, impressive has that been? That, you know, it's a great point, Neil, because they really have uh, done it without everybody clicking. It's been by two or three guys at one time. Now it's about six or seven guys at one time. Uh, so now you're seeing more offense, but it's not really everybody. Uh, and, and I agree. And, but I also understand why it's not everybody, because this has been a very difficult uh, scenario uh, for the hitters. It's difficult for the pitchers as far as injuries. We're seeing an immense amount of injuries. You know, we're noticing it. The rest of the league is noticing it for pitchers because they just weren't in tune physically. The hitters were physically in tune. They just weren't in tune timing-wise. So now you're starting to see the Yandy Diaz. Uh, you're going to see some other guys really kind of come into play. A guy that I think you just had on, Austin Meadows, uh, it's just kind of hitting uh, the groove, and he's the guy that could carry a team just like Brandon Lau. So uh, I think our hitting is 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 hitting is on an uptick, not not leveling off. We're we're still climbing, and still haven't had let's say a run by Choi or Yoshi right. Tsutsugo. I mean, there's still yeah. several guys like that Renfro who really haven't gotten hot. 
No, right. Well, you know, for that matter, Martinez, you know, uh, he's been nice and steady, especially against lefties. Um, but neither those guys right there that you just mentioned are fantastic hitters that needed the, the, the you know, the ups, so to speak. And once that happens, they're, they're going to be they're going to be on point. Uh, an, another guy that, that that I think has been, you know, hot and cold, believe it or not, you know, I think it's a Willie Adamas. He's been you know, he's shown it, but then he has it. And, and he's, he's, he's really a tremendous hitter. So when the, those things happen, I mean, watch out for this offense. Of course, Brandon has been branded so far. Now we're starting to get used to his potential of being a superstar. You think, yeah, you I, I have enough people put him on that level, do you think? No, no. Obviously, he's not, um, you know, he's kind of like Rob Bass. He's not internationally known. But uh, <laughs> he's been known to rock a microphone. Look, the, the kid has shown some incredible talent. Also defensively, I actually like mm -hmm. what he does, you know, with the glove. Uh, but offensively right now, he's just very comfortable. He's, he, uh, you know, I remember an interview earlier in the year when he was talking about that I have to make adjustments this year. Why? Because he's pretty much a fastball hitter and he hunts fastballs. But now he's hunting breaking pitches. He's being patient. He's walking more. I just love the adjustments he's made. And, and he's got, always had the quick coil, the quick hands as far as physically. You know, he's uh, I do call him Peter Parker jokingly because he's not that big, kind of wiry, but he's strong as Spider-Man. So uh, I, I love that kid. The one two between Meadows and, and, and Lau could be as good as, as DJ and Aaron. And that's saying a lot of what Judge and LeMahieu have put together. Well, let's hope that happens down the stretch. Oh, we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. We're looking good. Let's keep it going. Thanks, Neil. And that's the big O Arrested Destrada. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time to head down to Port Charlotte. And joining us, a guy who has helped the race before and I'm sure is going to help them at some point this season, and that is Nate Lowe. Nate, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Tell me, first of all, what this situation has been like from the pandemic itself and, and being at home to now being down in Port Charlotte for the last several weeks. It's just different, man. Like, you know, there's no there's no handbook to baseball in a pandemic. So, like, you know, getting the chance to be with the team for a couple of weeks there and help get ready for the season was fun. And then, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're never excited for the chance not to play. So you get sent down here. But as far as it goes down here, we've got a lot of hardworking young players who are ready. And, you know, the staff is staying on us. and you know, it's 8 million degrees, but we keep saying it. You know, this alternate site club that we have here, team that we could put together, could compete with a lot of baseball teams. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, how do you treat your sim games, though? Because normally, let's say if you're not with a big league club, you're in AAA and you're playing in games that count, but here you still have to make sure that you're prepared so that because your next at bat could be a big league at bat. It's bizarre for sure because like it's no secret that a the weather is like tough for us to play, but b um you know with all the taxi squad guys when the the big league club goes on the road like we lost four arms, five arms, and then you know we're pumped for guys getting activated, but those are innings that uh, are taken away from us because you know of course the goal is to help the big league team the most. We play probably twice a week, maybe three times a week, and get us a, a solid five innings in and you just got to treat every at bat like it's uh like you're in the, in the stadium and uh playing for something that that really really matters 
I guess the good is though, like for instance, if you're on the taxi squad, you may be like Ronaldo Hernandez was on the trip for 11 days and you don't see a real live at bat for 11 days or Brian O'Grady or somebody of that ilk where at least now you're getting some live at bats throughout and yeah. you're getting against really live arms too. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know how to prepare for going on the road just to sit in a hotel for 10 days or 11 days or whatever it was. So however you can get your work in that day, we're just, we're grateful for the days that we have here and we'll just stay ready however we can. Tell me what the, the work is like on a daily basis. Is a lot more individual attention than it would be, let's say, in a regular season with a, with a club? Yeah, it's like um, I never did extended, but a lot of guys have said it's pretty similar. Extended spring training, just in that we're in in the morning. We have to sometimes beat the rain in the afternoon. You know, you get your individualized work. But as far as staff here goes, they do a really good job of rotating guys in and out over every couple days. So you'll have early work for two days and then get a day or two off and then get another couple days in. And, you know, our, our staff here really cares. It's not just, they're not just checking boxes as a staff. They're, they're for sure helping guys get better. So it's, that's been great, but you have to play at some point to, to A, see if it's paying off and playing is the best way to get better. No question. Tell me how you feel you are getting better though. And are you working only at first and third? Or have they actually got you some reps in the outfield too? Yeah, yeah. I played a couple played a couple innings in the outfield. I've done a couple drills out there, um, taken in and out a few times. I'll go to third half the time, first half the time. I just got to do something to keep it light, keep it interesting, and make sure that I'm just as ready as I can to help the team win. And how helpful have, let's say, Michael Johns with the infield work, Chris Prieto in the outfield, and also Dan DeMet, who I know is working with the hitters. Yeah, and Brady's here too. Brady Williams is here. So, I mean, like, those guys, like, they care. It's not just players on a sheet that are taking up a spot on a team and potentially filling in for somebody else who could have a little more priority. I mean, all the guys here are priority guys and prospects and big league ready. So, I mean, they care and they get us in there and they have pretty good feel for getting us in the sun, but out of the sun and we're going to get our work in, whether it's only 15 or 30 minutes. What are the things where you think you've improved or where do you think you've improved during the time in Port Charlotte so far? I mean, I, I'm just, I'm getting more and more comfortable, like, defensively, because ABs are such a habitual thing. Like, you know, you're used to getting, if you're in the top of an order in a minor league team and you play six days a week, you get, what, 20, 24 at-bats, and here you get six, eight. So, you know, just being able to adapt to something like that, which, you know, in turn could help with the team because, you never know who's going to be an everyday player or who's going to have to step in in different spots. So it's been different, but, you know, just getting comfortable with changing up the routine has been the big step for me. Have you talked with other guys about that? For instance, like Mike Bross is contributing at the big league level now, but he may only play twice a week and get those five, six at-bats, and I know you know him very well. Yeah, yeah. Mike, um, Mike's a rock star, man. He's, he's going to go in, and it's, it's very evident that he's going to give it all he's got when he gets his shot. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, but I guess that's just a tribute to what we've got going on here with all the players is that we're so deep everywhere that you got a guy that's, you know, doing what he's doing that isn't, isn't in the starting lineup every day. But I guess also just learning. I mean, I'm sure he had to learn how to adjust to, hey, I'm not in the lineup five days a week. How do I get ready? I didn't know if you talked to guys about what that's like or how you do it because that's probably a big part of growing into a big league role. Yeah, that's something that I for sure got a taste of last year in September when we had the full roster and we were able to kind of piece together some more matchup stuff. It's weird, you know, because you play for 
out your whole minor league career, you're the priority guy, college team, you're going to play a lot, high school team, you're one of the better players on the team. And then all of a sudden you wind up with 26 other guys on the roster and you play two or three days a week. That's different for sure. But I mean, as long as your approach is set and you know your role and you're just doing what you can do and not trying to do something different, then, you know, it's, it's right there in front of us. How have the arms themselves prepared you? And, and the fact that you're facing guys a lot of times. When John Curtis was with you, he told me there was almost a cat and mouse game because there were certain things that he would see how, you know, you got him a few times, uh, he got you a few times, and you're adjusting back and forth, as you would in the American League East when you might see a team ten times. Yeah, the, the guys here, we talk about it all the time and joke about it that we want to put them, like, in another locker room so we can put a scouting report up and talk about how they smell bad or something, I don't know, after the outing or, you know, like, have that, like, further competitive edge, which is, like, you know, because we come back to the same locker room, shower, and go back to the same houses or we're with each other every day. It's just going to come full circle and they're going to be really good for a big portion and we're going to get them too. So it's, you know, it's nice to have a bunch of different looks from a young but a really dominant, like, alternate site staff if that's what you want to call it how difficult is it the McClanahan's the Boz's the Ryan's to face some of those guys because you're facing some lefties in there too yeah they're talented man and like I, I love facing lefties like uh, to, to be able to face McClanahan and, and Fleming and then now with Enns and Sheriff and Snelton and uh, Gil Martin and uh, you know any other lefties that I forgot like it's every day so it, I really don't mind it at all but you know, we've got we've got young, talented guys who are really putting it out there and facing 100 at 1 o'clock in Port Charlotte when it's 150 degrees really isn't all that fun, but it's better than sitting at home. No question. You also have the benefit of having your, your brother Josh there, and I spoke with him when you guys were in separate camps. I assume you're living together now? Yeah, we're in the same house now. Who does the cooking? Uh, <laughs> we do a lot of delivery. All right, all right. Um, and how much does that help? Because you guys are in a situation where you have to be really careful and there's a lot of responsibility, but in your case, it's not only responsibility for your teammates, it's responsibility for your own family. You know, we have Josh and Lucius is in here with us too. And we have a fourth bedroom that, um, you know, if we've got a guy here or there that just wants to come crash and hang out, like they're all welcome to, but you know, we've got to be careful with just being around guys in the bubble and limiting exposure outside and following all the protocols. But yeah, every time you go in there, it's the same thing. Like Charlie's at the field today. He's got four kids with four young immune systems. You know, Brett Sullivan's got Hudson Sullivan. He's, you know, however many months old, like we've got people that we need to just be conscious of. Like every time we go do something, because with the way everything spreads, you're basically giving it straight to everybody's kids. Does it make does that make it a lot that much easier or, or or to to follow along or hey you saw what happened with the Marlins you saw what happened with the Indians and so on with a couple of their players who strayed and so on to make sure that you follow yeah that makes it easy for sure because nobody wants their nobody wants their name to go down as the guy who ruined it for everybody here well we appreciate a few minutes we hope it's sooner than later that we see you up here and getting some advance to help this club, and we certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. And that's Nate Lowe, and we certainly wish him a lot of success going forward. Coming up, Dewey Robinson from Port Charlotte on the pitching, Richard Justice on the trading deadline. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball. This is the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue with This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us now from Port Charlotte is a guy who has worked with all the pitchers 
uh, down in that area, and that being Dewey Robinson. Dewey, thanks very much for a few minutes. How has this all been for you? Uh, let's just say it's been strange, but exciting and interesting at the same time. You know, first of all, just uh, covering all the protocols we have to kind of, the hoops we we jump through to keep everybody safe and healthy. And I, and I can't say enough for the Rays organization and the Pete Michael Johns, who is our field coordinator and the security and, and, and the guys down in Port Charlotte. Uh, we haven't had a positive test, I should but. And I think they understand the issue that they're faced with. These guys get a, you know, they're a phone call away from the big leagues. And the last thing they want to do is shut it down for themselves or anybody else to test positive and sit out for two weeks or even have the site shut down. So they've taken that seriously. We're all, we're in mass. We separate. One advantage I think we have over, I'll bet, 27 other clubs in baseball is we're using our spring training site. So we have five fields, we have a stadium. There's days that go by, if we don't have a game, I don't see the position players. <laughs> so uh, the best thing about it is we don't have to shag, but it, it's, to answer your question, it's, it's, been a, it's been a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun and, and exciting. How do you find that balance between you're developing guys because this is win now, but you also have guys that you are developing for the future? Well, we told them up front, we had some, Kyle was really good with me, he set some guidelines, what he expected uh, the pitchers individually to be ready for if they were called up from the taxi squad. And we laid that out to every one of them, where we expected them to get. And there were four or five, what we call bulk inning or starters that had to get to three, four innings, you know, 65, 70 pitches. So that was the standard we set with them. And that was the goal we were, we were trying to get to each and every one of them. The rest of the group might have been in that two-inning window where they have to be available almost every other day or back-to-back days, and we got those guys to that point, too. Give them two innings, a day off, and then maybe back-to-back. Anything that they might have to experience at the, at the major league level when we got there. So that was the first goal with, with the group is get them to that point without rushing them. Uh, the interesting thing I had to deal with is – you know, running spring training on the minor league side, you know, 75, 80 pitchers show up at once, and I could put them into, you know, a couple different buckets and just move them along together because they've all been working to a certain point. While with, with the shutdown, some guys came in with just five bullpens where another guy might have had 10 or 11 live batting practices. So I had to – I started – individualizing their workloads and bringing them along because the last thing I wanted to do was rush any of them and get them hurt. It, we were pretty fortunate to get through all that and stay healthy and get them ready for the big leagues. And with you and Rick Knapp, you both had the opportunity to do some individual work. And I think Aaron Slager said something that was great. He said, it doesn't matter what age we are. They are all in the process of trying to develop each of us in our, in our own way. You've had several guys help at the big league level, Sleggers, Anthony Bonda, Sean Gilmartin, Ryan Thompson, John Curtis. How have each of those guys improved and grown since you guys have gotten them recently? Well, I'll start out with this. I can't say enough for the job Rick Knapp does, not only in Durham the last few years, but down here with me. He's a mechanical genius, and he really uh, cares about getting these guys better. So we started out, it was kind of interesting for me, is we presented a lot of the data that we get on each and every one of these guys, because some of them are brand new to the organization. 
And I almost had to go back to kind of like a rookie ball setting with them to explain what these plots or uh, graphs or data mean and then start from there and build off of that because, again, they come in at all different levels. And what was interesting was watching these guys continue to drive to get better in certain pitches, whether it's their delivery, their carry, their sink, depth on their breaking ball. They were striving to get better pitches while we were still getting them in shape and building them up. And they've been very receptive to that approach because they know they're going to get better from it. And so it's been neat to really see that all take place. And Thompson and Curtis have probably contributed the most. What has impressed you about them? Because Kevin Cash said several times in summer camp, these guys are going to help us. And to this point, they both have. Well, uh, Ryan Thompson's a really neat story. And I'll go back to our pro department, uh, Kevin Eibach, the leader of the group. They, we rule five them from the Astros. And he was in the middle of rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. So I got to see him last year when he first started throwing all the way up until the end of the year when he was in Montgomery and then seeing him this spring and how much better he, he got while well, health was number one, but then just tweaking his pitches, working on his delivery. And this is kind of neat because uh, this is a first for me. I've seen a player get a, a phone call, a FaceTime phone call from Kevin and Eric. Kyle was on it too to uh, Ryan Thompson down on the field, on a backfield with uh, Michael John's phone doing a FaceTime, you're going to the big leagues type thing. So that was kind of neat. On the other hand, John Curtis, I can't say enough about this kid, the work ethic and the drive he's had. He's just wanted to learn and, and pick up things too. And what's been neat about him is seeing his velocity tick up a little and some depth on his breaking ball. And he's a strike thrower. He competes. He's a really good athlete. Um, I'm, just, I'm just excited to see these guys get a chance. Show what and, they can do. And certainly have helped. There, obviously, part of that is injuries. There have been injuries season-ending to Colin Beauchet and Andrew Kittredge, and then you've had injuries to Jose Alvarado and Oliver Drake, which has impacted you know, the look of the lefties in the bullpen. And while they haven't helped yet – I'm curious about Ryan Sheriff and DJ Snelton because we saw them in spring training and both of them look pretty good. Well, I'll start with Ryan Sheriff. He's, he's pretty unique for me. He's, you know, he's a left-handed Ryan Thompson, basically. We're just trying to get his pitches to keep going sideways, you know, his sinker running away and his slider going across. And Ryan's been very open to any suggestions or things that we might throw at him. And, and for me, he's coming off Tommy John, too is he doesn't have a whole lot of innings under his belt. So this is still new to him, but just trying to run him out there, I'm I'm in the process of building him up to two innings at a time so he can handle that if he does get an opportunity. DJ Snelton's a little little different story, signed out of basically a a lab, throwing in the mid-90s, a strong, big kid, 6'4", 6'5", 230, left-hander, and the ball comes out really good. He did have a little setback. He pulled his hamstring uh, in, in some kind of uh, conditioning drill or something. So we had to slow him down. But his last two outings have been encouraging. So he's back in, in the picture of things. Now, I, again, I'm in the process of building him up. So he has, has an opportunity to go up and help. And Sam McWilliams was added to the taxi squad on the last road trip. I know he's the guy who also showed great velocity in the spring. 
Yeah, he came in uh, this spring and kind of reinvented himself and, you know, things that we were hoping we'd see all along from him and his velocity ticked up, break on his slider, got more depth and, and just encouraging him to use his slider a lot more and keep in that attack mode where he's more of a two-inning guy. You know, he had been a starter most of his career with us. At the end of this season last year, we kind of switched from the pen and thought, he might uh, might do better in that role. So I hope he gets a chance up there too. And the four guys that probably the fans ask me about the most are the prospects. Josh Fleming, probably the closest to the big leagues, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, and also Joe Ryan, last year's minor league pitcher of the year. Well, these four, I couldn't be happier about what I've seen out of them. First of all, they're in a very unique situation that they all understand. There's at least a hundred of our pitchers in the organization that are home throwing, throwing in a lab or throwing it on a, on a high school field. And these guys are actually getting to work at their craft, improve and pitch in some inner squads. On the first part, we're able to do some pitch design, get their pitches a little better, more in the favorable range and consistency part of it. On the other hand, we're playing inner squads. And I, I must say this, Neil, each, there's, there's, I think, 10 or 12 players down here, and it's like an all-star team. The, uh, Nate and Josh Lowe, Ronnie Hernandez, who is now with the Big League Cup Club, our catcher. You've got uh, Taylor Walls, Bruhan, Wander Franco, uh, Dylan Cousins. It just, the list goes on and on. I'm no, I know I'm going to forget some guys, but I go, these guys don't get a break. They're facing them all the time, so it's, it's really a challenge for them. And what I've been pleased with is our pitchers, they treat these games uh, just like the season. They get up for them, they compete, and they're getting something out of it. So it's, it's been neat to watch. Well, that's great to hear. And hopefully the development continues and the winning continues. And Dewey, you and, and Rick Knapp down there have been a big part of it. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. My pleasure, Neil. And that's Dewey Robinson on the race pitching in Port Charlotte, and the race have seen plenty of it so far. Time now to take a look at the national picture with the trading deadline approaching with a guy who actually is covering the game uh, from his home, and that being Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network. Richard, thanks very much for a few minutes today. Thanks for having me, Neil. It was great to hear Dewey Robinson's voice. He was an Astros legend for a mm -hmm. long time. And he has done a marvelous job here as, I mean, the Rays have had to overcome probably, I mean, it's probably not written about Crazy. as much, but they now have nine injured pitchers. I mean, they've had to deal with more than anyone in the league with that. Yeah, and, you know, it's probably the highest compliment that it doesn't get a lot of attention because people just, and, and I'm the same way. I just look, oh, the Rays, they have pitching, they have a farm <laughs> system, they can overcome everything, but they have been hit hard. Hopefully Charlie comes back and they'll get a couple other guys back because it's a team that's good enough to win a World Series. I certainly think so, and I'm kind of curious your take as we're closing in on the trading deadline. We've seen one deal where Brandon Workman and Heath Embry went from the Red Sox to the Phillies. Do you think there's going to be a lot of movement? If so, why? If not, why not? I think we have the sellers. I think the Royals have three relievers to trade. I think the Giants have, you know, could trade Kevin Gosman. They, will, will they trade Johnny Cueto? The Orioles have Alex Cobb and Michael Givens. You know, the Red Sox, what's his, Kevin Pillar, Jackie Bradley. So I think those are the definite sellers. Jonathan Scope could be traded by the Tigers. I'm not sure about the buyers. When you look at the top teams, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Rays, 
Do you go all in? And in the, particularly in the case of the Dodgers and the Rays, they have been very cautious about trading prospects. The way they look at it, <laughs> and Andrew Friedman happens to have ties to both organizations, it's give your club as much depth and as much flexibility as you can. And when there's a, there's a time to make a deal, like with Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, you have the pieces to do that. But the, the trial market, and Andrew's been criticized for it, uh, is that we're not going to trade Gavin Lux. We're not going to trade Dustin May. We did not trade Cody Ballinger. Um, so that's what I don't know. Do you go all in? Because there are teams that definitely have needs. I think like the White Sox and Reds, I think they're willing to deal. I think the Padres with Tommy Pham out and Kirby Yates out and Drew Pomerantz now out. I think they would like to do something. So, you know, I'm much clearer on the sellers. I'm not so clear on the buyers. I kind of think in the American League, the playoff picture is a lot clearer, too. You've got eight teams over 500 with positive run differentials and seven teams under 500 without. Are are teams playing for seed in the American League right now? And is it really, are you a better playoff team by adding someone, not really necessarily moving yourself up and down the ladder in terms of seed? Yeah, you know, there's two things to that. One is, what teams can reasonably win a World Series? I'm not sure the Yankees are in that conversation now until they kind of figure out what they've got in terms of the injuries. But the Twins could win. I think the Rays certainly could win. The A's could win. You know, so now then you're talking about, I mean, Cleveland's pretty good. Uh, The Yankees obviously are pretty good. I don't know about Houston. You know, they have got they've been just decimated by they. I think they've had eleven guys make their major league debut on the pitching staff. So you get into that area there. You know, and the the genius of Billy Bean in Oakland always was forget, forget what the standings say. What do I say? And I say we're not good enough. Well, well, Billy, you're a game out of first place. Yeah, we're not good enough. So, and I think in a data driven age, that's more the way teams look at it. So. You know, uh, that's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in play right here, you know, and it seems like the way we look at it, the, the standings and the playoff possibilities all, it, it seems to change day by day. And I think the hard part of, the, of this for GMs is you acquire a player. I mean, I, I would think most of one acquire someone they're going to have for more than one month because basically right. that's what you're asking for is one month plus however the postseason goes. Right, and the Phillies acquired Brandon Workman for what? 37 days if they don't make the playoffs. But I think he had interesting dynamics there. Heimblum wanted, I mean, he had money to, to send the Phillies to cover those two salaries of the relievers that he traded. He badly needs pitching depth in the organization. And frankly, even though you would look at the Phillies and go, wait a minute, they're not a buyer. Yeah, they're a buyer because the dynamics, the pressure on the front office, on the GM to make a deal is like, we're going to be all in whether you think we're in or not, that was a that was a perfect 2020 trade in that you had a desperate team, really two desperate teams, and you had a team. One of those teams had money to spend. I, do you so as we start to look forward? Um, do you think we'll have a lot of players like Workman and Hembry that get moved that are either at the nearing the end of arbitration or becoming free agents, or do you think teams are going to move controllable pieces? for controllable pieces to try and create balance? I think that those pieces, controllable pieces and prospects, are the currency of the game. And, you know, I get emails all the time suggesting trades. 
And in every email, the guy undervalues prospects compared to the way teams look at their prospects. Uh, I just think it's going to have to be something special. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Andrew Friedman had the chance to move some of those guys, and he just wouldn't do it. Now, to get Mookie Betts, he did. You know, did, did, was it a fair price for the Red Sox? That'll play out in, in the years ahead. I just think teams are so, so reluctant to trade any of their young players. There, there is a time where you put all your cards on the table and you say, we're going for it this year. I just don't know how many teams feel that way right now. I mean, who should feel that way? Minnesota should feel that way. You know, and they now, they've got pitchers, they've got injured pitchers. Oda Rizzi just went on the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um, these are tough decisions to be made here with no time to make them, really. Got less than a minute. The most interesting piece to me is Cleveland. What do they do with Clevenger and Plesac? Do they come back on the ball club? Do they stay in the minors? Do they get moved? That is a tough one. I don't see them coming back. I don't know how you. I don't know how you can do what they did, and it met with the reaction that that action met with. You know, and Carlos Carrasco is the guy in the middle of this because he is as beloved as any player in the game, and you potentially exposed a recovering leukemia patient to this, that's going to be a hard, that's going to be a hard sell. So do the, do you move them? Um, <laughs> I just don't know. I do not know how it works out. And I, I don't envy Chernoff and Chris and Antonetti and those guys that have got to work this out, you know, and they have, you know, they, their managers, not with the club right now. So mm-hmm. a lot going on in Cleveland. No doubt. Richard, great stuff. Thanks for a few minutes. Enjoy uh, covering the game for the Rays today, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully about the postseason. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Neil. That's Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network, and we certainly appreciate him joining us on the show today, along with Rays outfielder Austin Meadows, Ressus Destrada, prospect Nate Lowe, and also Dewey Robinson. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Next week, certainly, we'll be talking about the trading deadline as that is closing in, that and much more. Special thanks to my producer today, Derek Dubose, for a great job as usual. I'm Neil Solons. It's the Rays and Jays, Game 3 of 4 coming up, and you are listening to the Rays Baseball Network.